0: I am going to give some updates for you all on western bean cutworm biology and management. And the goals for this session is going to be understanding the BT trait options and their efficacy against western bean cutworm. Um, Knowing the resources that are available uh, to determine timing and increase efficiency of scouting uh, for this pest. Um, Being able to recognize the good guys that are out there, those beneficial insects that are preying upon western bean cutworm in the field. Um, And finally, understanding recommendations for chemical applications that are targeting uh, western bean cutworm in corn. So starting out with this insect, um, you all are probably familiar. This time of the year, um, it is overwintering down in the soil as a pre-pupa. Uh, we then, of course, see the moths start to fly, usually in early July. They're laying their eggs in corn or dry beans. The little larvae are hatching out. They tend to feed up on the tassel tissue first. And then they move down into the ear, where, of course, they do their damage. So thinking about this life cycle, there's um, a few different points in the year that are important. And that's kind of what how I'm going to focus my talk for today. Um, the first is BT trait selection. You may have already ordered your seed for this year, um, and so that's something to think about with Bt trait selection and that's what I'll focus on here first. Oops. I'll, go, go, I'll go through them all first and then I'll go to Bt trait selection. The next is going to be scouting in July, biocontrol is happening at that time of year as well, insecticide application um, prior to when the insects enter the ear. And then finally, maybe a point that gets um, forgotten is evaluating your treatments. So I think it's always a good idea to go out and walk, um, you know, maybe August 10th, August 15th, something like that, and look at those ear tips and see where you actually are having um, insect damage um, to get a feeling of whether or not your treatments actually worked or not. Um, And don't forget at that time as well, if you have refuge in a bag, seed, that um, you may be seeing damage on those refuge plants as well. So now go into that Bt trait selection as the first focus of the talk. Um, To give you all some updates, you know, it's important to realize that not all caterpillar traits will affect Western bean cutworm, right? Um, Not everything that works for European corn borer or corn earworm is gonna work for Western bean cutworm. We really just have two proteins that have ever worked um, the first is Cry1F. This is the protein that's found in Herculex. Um, it's one of the proteins found in smart stacks. Um, you know, we can say going back to <clears throat> this survey of crop consultants, um, we asked them about their experiences in 2014 through 2016 field seasons. And even at that point, the vast majority felt like this Cry1F proteins were not providing as much control for Western bean cutworm as they used to. So, that really helped us to target our research. Uh, where between 2017 and 2018, we collected Western bean co populations from um, across Nebraska. You know, we've got Binkelman, Grant, Brule, North Platte, and Kearney here in the West Central area. And we confirmed that there is resistance to the Cry1F protein at all of these locations in Nebraska. And there really weren't any significant differences between any of these locations. So it was pretty much across the state that we saw resistance. Um, The Western bean cutworm has been removed from the label now of all of these Cry1F products. The other protein um, that has ever had effect on Western bean cutworm is the Vip3A. This is found in um, some of our Viptera, Leptra, and Tracepta products. These traits are currently providing very good control, but we do always need to be concerned about resistance um, always being on the horizon. Um, That's one reason why there has been some of this attention from the EPA proposal like Samantha mentioned. Um, And it's always important to still think about um, making sure that like refuges are being planted if required by that um, hybrid. I also wanna point out, and when you get these slides, this will actually be linked here where you can click on it. Um, this handy BT trait table is super useful. Um, I think it can often be confusing for me to understand which trait packages actually have the VIP3A protein versus some of the other proteins. And this is just an amazing resource that allows you to see, you know, okay, Leptra, what are the proteins that it has? What are the insects that it targets? Um, And it's a really Um, succinct way of looking at all of that information can be really helpful in um, your um, trait selection for your seed. Okay, next, moving on to the scouting time of the year. Um, When you're thinking about when to start scouting for Western bean cutworm, there are some resources that we do provide. Um, The first, we provide some resources so you can be informed about the moth flight predictions based on the degree day model that has been developed for Western bean cutworm. Um, so we do publish a crop watch article. We try to get out there by mid June or a little bit earlier most years. This will help give you some dates for when we're predicting the Western bean cutworm moth flights to be happening in your part of the state. You can also download this AgriTools app. I love this. So, um, you know, this is a free app through UNL I went on here on my phone yesterday, and for my house out by Hershey, um, it gave me, <clears throat> for Western Bean Cutworm, the dates for the different proportions of the Western Bean Cutworm flight. Now, since we are not yet accumulating degree days in 2021, these are all based on averages of weather data, and so it's predicting it. But after March, once we start accumulating degree days, This will get more and more accurate as it's using real weather data to predict out when um, that flight is going to happen. So I love that app. I think it's a great tool. Um, We also provide monitoring of the moth flights themselves through trapping. Um, The UNL, we have a blacklight trap data that we post online um, from North Platte, Clay Center, Concord, and now um, Mead at NREC. Um, and then there's gonna be a link in the slide there for that. I um, know a lot of folks, especially crop consultants and industry agronomists are running their own green bucket and pheromone traps as well. And I'm really happy to help with anyone who's interested in starting that up um, for yourself. So you, now you know when you need to start scouting, um, how are you gonna do that? Well, we recommend selecting um, 20 plants from five different parts of the field. So that's a hundred plants. Or you can save actually quite a bit of work and reduce the number of plants you need to scout before making a decision by using the Western Bean Cutworm Speed Scout app. That's again, a free app available through UNL. Um, and it allows you to put in um, your scouting information and it can give you a um, threshold decision you know, before you have to reach hundred plants. Save yourself a little time. Um, to do the scouting, you want to look, of course, at the upper third of the plant, um, on the upper side of the leaves, look in the tassel, the leaf axles and the ear tip for larvae. If it's a little bit later in the season and the plants are starting to silk out, um, the eggs might be a little bit lower on the plant and could even be um, like on the husks themselves. Um, so you might want to expand where you're looking if it's a bit later in the season or your field is a bit um, later in phenology. Our economic threshold is if um, between five to 8% or more of the plants are infested with eggs or larvae. And then if you are at um, milk stage, so R3, um, before eggs are being laid, then you're gonna be um, too late in your phenology. That treatment is not gonna give you an economic return at that point. So thinking about the egg identification here on our corn plant, our Western bean cutworm tends to be on the top sides of the leaves and the upper third of the plant. It really prefers that late whorl stage corn like right prior to tasseling. Compared to some of our other caterpillars, some of our other Lepidoptera pests, um, corn earworm is laid a single egg directly on the silks. European corn borer tends to be on the underside of leaves, often in the middle third of the plant. Those eggs also look kind of like fish scales to me. And then fall armyworm tends to be laid on immature leaves. And that's sort of like a big pile of eggs. And there tends to be this kind of silky, um, silk threads kind of protecting that mass of eggs. So Western bean cutworm egg masses look pretty different from some of our other caterpillars, but they do look quite similar to our stink bugs. The stink bugs here are more of a upright barrel shape, whereas our Western bean cutworm eggs are a little more like a basketball that's been slightly smushed down. Um, So looking at that shape and even kind of looking at them from the side um, to get that profile of the egg can be really helpful. So now talking about um, biological control with Western bean cutworm. We do have some good evidence that the good guys are at work out there in the field. These are all pictures um, that I've taken through doing field work out in the last six or seven summers. We have a convergent lady beetle and a pink spotted lady beetle that like to eat the egg masses. We have uh, minute pirate bugs. I really like this picture because it's like a family meal. We have both the adult minute pirate bug and an immature one here on the same egg mass. Uh, This minute pirate bug is even going for a newly hatched larva. And then we have um, green lacewing larvae. These look sort of like um, spiky little alligators and they're piercing and sucking the eggs and kind of drinking the juice out of the eggs, which you can see in this picture, these look like they've been deflated because they really have been. They've had all of the juice sucked out of the eggs there. So these guys are doing, um, you know, they're helping us out in the field. Um, we did two summers ago a project where we put up these time-lapse cameras in the field, and we basically spied on western bean cutworm egg masses. Um, and we learned a few interesting things. Um, first, that the larvae can stay near to the egg mass after they hatch for quite a long time, for up to 12 hours. Um, It seems like they sort of congregated near the egg mass and they waited until evening when the temperatures and conditions were um, not as harsh and then they traveled up to the um, tassel at that time. Um, We also saw that hatching was not synchronized, which was interesting that from one single egg mass It took up to 10 hours from the first little larva to the last larva to hatch. Um, Those newly hatched larvae, those neonates, were actually able to survive really well through a pretty strong rainstorm. Um, The storm came up and we thought, oh no, it's destroyed our project with the video cameras out there. Um, But then we were able to look at the video and see that they withstood a pretty strong storm um, on those leaves. And then also through this, we saw some really cool evidence of in one of our videos that this minute pirate bug came along, spent um, about 15 minutes feeding on this egg mass, and then by the time it was gone, almost all of the eggs were either eaten or disrupted or had been um, damaged enough that they weren't going to hatch from this predator. So how can you support these good guys? Um, We've done a few studies looking at this. Um, We saw one study where uh, the pivot corners, when rolled in corners for wildlife, this non crop perennial diverse habitat around the crop field edges, um, we used some cards to um, look at uh, the predators feeding on eggs in those cornfields next to the corners for wildlife and saw that that enhanced predation there. So the lady beetles were kind of doing a better job. Of eating those eggs when they had these um, perennial resources here. Um, you can also think about, you know, making sure you're using thresholds and avoiding unnecessary insecticide spraying, um, and choosing products that are less toxic to beneficials. So, um, kind of on that, on the choosing of products, um, that's kind of going to flow right into the next section on insecticides. So, for timing. Um, we do recommend that, of course, you need to have met your threshold of, you know, more than 5 to 8% of plants infested, That um, through scouting. Ideally, the plants are at about 95% tassel, the egg masses are purple to hatching, um, you've reached or exceeded the peak of the moth flight, um, and you have favorable environmental conditions for doing an insecticide application. There's not a big storm that's coming up that evening. Now I know meeting all these conditions is like the perfect alignment of the stars that does not happen in reality. Um, These are obviously the conditions that we're striving to achieve. And some of these things are out of our control. Um, And that's one of the reasons why insecticide um, control of Western bean cutworm can be really challenging is because this ideal timing window does not exist every year and in every field. Um, one thing we can do, I mentioned that getting at the peak or later of the moth flight, you can look at our um, blacklight trap data to help you determine when that p- peak is happening. Um, just to give you an idea, the black line here is our 2020, 2020 data from our North Platte um, moth trap. Um, we peaked at July 21 to 22, which is much more average. You know, we had a very late year in 2019. We were accumulating degree days very late um, in the summer. And we had a pretty high flight as far as the numbers of moths um, was about as high as we've been um, in the last five years in in 2020. So product choice is important. Um, We know from some of our surveys of crop consultants that pyrethroids have been really commonly used. You know, back in 2014 to 2016, about 80% of the insecticide applications for western bean cutworm were using pyrethroids, um, and this is a this is a challenge because um, we do also have reports of um, these insecticides being less effective. So we're concerned about resistance. Um, you know, we did a lot of research on this. I don't want to go into all of the um, details on it for now, but. What we found is that the Western bean cutworm in Nebraska are less susceptible to bifenthrin when we compare them to Western bean cutworm that came from Canada, which is where they do not use a lot of pyrethroids. So we have been selecting for resistance in Nebraska, um, but our research is showing that resistance is not the whole story. There's not like a smoking gun of resistance being like, this is the whole problem. Um, There's probably also issues with application timing and technique, maybe environmental conditions and not getting that good window um, due to the pest and crop phenology. So I do wanna share briefly with you guys some of our um, insecticide trial data. This came from Grant in 2018. Um, And really what we're showing here is, here's our untreated control. This is amount of feeding damage to the corn ears. Prevathon at the highest rate performed the best out of all of these products. You'll have these slides available to you to be able to go back and look at um, this graph in more detail. This also reduced the percent of ears that had any caterpillars in them uh, from 43% and an untreated control to eight, only 8% infested at the lowest treatment here with Prevathon. I also want to point out for this study, we did an early ideal and late timing of applications for a few of those products. And just to point out here the importance of application timing, um, that when you came in too late or too early with some products, they really were not as effective. Um, Prevathon, again, at the highest rate was the only one that actually did okay at early ideal and late timing. So um, I want to take just a little bit of time and tell you about this really cool project. Um, It has a lot of connection actually to crop production clinics. So last year at our North Platte Crop Production Clinics, I ended up having a really interesting conversation with one of you all um, and was told that there's maybe a rumor floating around that some of the insecticides can kill the eggs of Western bean cutworm. Um, you know, based on the mode of action of the insecticides, I thought this was probably not likely, but I thought, well, this is, a, this is a study we can do really easily. You know, we can do this in the lab in one summer. We have this awesome insect science undergraduate student from here, um, from Hershey, um, Rachel Abbott, and she did this study this summer. We used um, the uh, spray chamber in the pesticide application technology lab here and we um, mimicked aerial application of insecticides on Western bean cutworm eggs. Um, and we saw, in the short, no evidence for ovicidal effects. So no evidence that the insecticides were able to kill the eggs themselves at the low and high label rates of all of the products that we tested. So Mustang Max, Brigade, Hero, Prevathon, and Steward. However, we did see that after hatching, the larvae all died really quickly in all of the treatments, except for steward. And that is because that product needs to actually have some ingestion by the insect to be most effective. And the way we designed the experiment, there wasn't any food for them to eat after they hatched. So that's more of the way the experiment was designed, not necessarily that that product didn't work. Um, We saw that for up to five days in the lab, there was very good insecticide residual. We also looked at egg masses that had been sprayed or not sprayed, and then lady beetles were allowed to feed on those egg masses. And we saw that lady beetles that ate the eggs that were sprayed with Mustang Max, they didn't die, but they were severely disoriented. Like they'd get stuck on their back and they couldn't get up. Um, And this was compared to eating eggs sprayed by Prevathon where there weren't any negative effects on the lady beetles. Um, So that's one of those things I think about again is some products like our pyrethroids are gonna have more of a negative effect on our beneficials versus our products like Prevathon and Steward that are not as um, risky to our beneficials. So our take home points is that Western bean cutworm has evolved resistance to cryo-1F protein this is a protein found in Herculex and Smart Stacks, leaving VIP as the sole highly effective protein. There are a lot of good guys out there to help us with Western bean cutworm. Insecticide applications should be made only at the threshold, and that timing is um, important to consider. And then that product choice is also important to minimize resistance and risk to beneficial insects.